The Weekly Experience Extra Bits. So, Susan Stewart, hello. Hello. So, uh, Dog Lexus, I've got, uh, I've got the book in front of me here. So, author. Yes. Yeah. How did this come about then? Because I classed myself, myself as a mum with a dyslexic son. Right. But before he was classed as a dyslexic son, yeah. he was undiagnosed. But I knew, and I believe a mother should always trust her natural instincts. Well, let's go back right to that But You knew... So talk us through the bit before and how did, what were the signs that you felt? Because when he started school in year R, like they do, he wasn't quite five. Um, however, we got to the Christmas when they then start the little Biff and Chip books. Oh, yeah. And even the, uh, the very few words that on those pages, sometimes three words on a page, it would just be a meltdown. Yeah, he was very talkative. His language was great for that age um, but he just hated any form of having to and holding a pen when he would have to do like letters it would just always say mummy it hurts my hand Uh, and there just didn't seem to be that coordination between the eye and reading and the hand and writing and I used to question I think there's something not quite right here but you are only five and as we move forward, everybody develops. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was exactly the same. And books were always thrown around the house. So, How did that make you feel when you realised that? That he was dyslexic. Yeah. Quite sad and guilty when we were actually had the diagnosis, which wasn't until he was about eight and a half, because even though I'd always known I was never taken seriously, as a mum, we can't just go by mum's... Uh, what a mum thinks, I was told. So uh, there were no tests for him because apparently he didn't fit the criteria. He wasn't old enough. That's, you know, just stopping you just there, I mean, he's only, what you said, 14 now. This isn't that long ago. No. They didn't have the tests and they wouldn't do any tests. Yes. That's crazy in this day and age. It is. Well, actually, the tests were there, but he wasn't old enough. They say you need to be at least eight upwards for them to be able to successfully diagnose. Oh, but right. actually, we all know now that's not true. Okay. That it's the traits that are there from a much earlier age. It must be very frustrating for a mum. Well, it is, because when you go through all the things where your teacher says you're just naughty or you're, and you're playing up or you're one of the oldest in the year, so you're just, you know, create, just trying to be a pickle to get out of things... So you do the, okay, well, if you're naughty today, you won't have your scooter. Or if you're naughty, you won't go to football. Or you try all the things to try and dangle a carrot. But it doesn't matter what carrot you dangle. If you can't read and write, if you can't it read isn't going to change it. You, but you, you would have thought, though, that uh, people within the school, the experts, would have gone, I mean, you're recognising these traits. Yes. And he's your son. So... Put, multiply that out by a whole load of children in one school, there must be more than one or Absolutely. two or three. So the yeah. traits are there yeah. from before yeah. they're eight. Yeah. And, and I know Roger said, was it frustrating for you? Also for him. Very frustrating for him. Because he couldn't articulate it. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why I wrote the book, because I thought that once I realised there were so many other people out there going through the same, the same thing as we had gone through, because it doesn't just affect the child it affects the whole family you know we had another child so she was always missing out because so much attention and time was taken with him um we had a an aging dog a wonderful family dog who suffered epilepsy so every time he went off the scale 
half the time the poor dog would go into a seizure. You're trying to keep the balance in the whole oh, family. You see, it does affect juggling. so many things, and you just want somebody to give you some help. So you, you've got an older, older daughter... No, younger. She's 10 now. She's 10 yeah, now. there's a three age. So is there yes. um hereditary thing, a no. genetic thing? It's no. just a thing. It's just a thing. They will always argue that it comes down the male side. Um, but it's been proven now. It, actually, that's not right at all. Many women have it, and it comes down through their children, be it the boys or the girls. Funny enough, I've never been, um, I've never been tested or diagnosed, but since writing this... I'm convinced, actually, I do have dyslexia oh, wow. in some form, yeah. See, that's yeah. interesting, isn't it? It's yeah. amazing, isn't it? If it um, sometimes you don't want to be wise in the things that you're wise in, and then yeah. when you are forced into that situation, that's... you think, well, why can't... If I can see this, yeah. why can't these experts yeah. have seen it beforehand? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of difference between um, realising your son is dyslexic getting him diagnosed and obviously on some sort of programme at school to, I know, I'm going to write a book about it. Yes. What's made you decide to do that and how was the process? The book came about because I'd been hairdressing for years. I absolutely loved it, but I always had a passion for writing, trying to little things down here and there. And I just thought, if I don't do it now, I never will. What am I going to write? And I started writing in rhyme, um about my dogs funny enough for books for children which okay. I haven't published anything and then this all came about with Danny and I just thought I think people need to know from a normal mum's point of view normal you know yeah that's what it is you know a real person <laughs> a real, as you yeah. say you know what it's like and if I can help anybody or you know if I, ch- if I can make a child encourage a child to read or at least try to read and then the parents can pick up some signs from what the child's reading it might help them must have been quite difficult because you said your the book is aimed at them being able to read it for themselves or you or the parent or adult reading Mm. it to them yeah so um words that you write are geared to a dyslexic child being able to read them or is it just the font you use it's probably more the font is for um, to help aid a, dys- a dyslexic child to read, to make it more encouraging and supportive to them, which I think are the two biggest things anyway in this whole uh, world of dyslexia. But I think um, some of the pages, they are broken up with illustrations, but some of the pages, I think, probably have quite a few words on if you are a reluctant reader. But then I think you can break that down and you can say, well, I'm going to read just this paragraph tonight. Mm. Or mum or dad or guardian, whoever may say, well, I'll read this sentence and you read the next. But I think it's, it isn't about how long it takes to get through it. It's just enjoying g- it g- and giving them something. I believe that it's good for children to see themselves in the stories they read. So what is, what is the theme of the story? The story, it really is a fantasy story, but it's a true story. And it's, uh, the theme is about a boy who's struggling. He knows himself he's struggling to read and write, and he's not as good as his friends. Um, and he doesn't know why. He asks his mum. She knows, she thinks she knows why. Uh, the teacher says he's fine. And uh, so he goes home one night, and he's desperate to have a dog. And he loves computers. He's great with his imagination. So he channels his energy into his computer. And then he creates a dog. And the dog comes to life, as they do on the stroke of midnight. (laughs) Of course. He has a slight sneezing 
allergy type thing and uh, it goes he from there. takes him off in the flying water bowl on a journey into outer space to Letterland to see the letter goblin. So I thought she you said this was him. fantasy. It all sounds like very <laughs> real, real life to me. Well, some people's minds. <laughs> were you finding when you were writing the book you can just go away and thinking, oh, right, I could add this to it and I could add that? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I, I say the biggest aid for me, apart from having a child with dyslexia, is the, uh, the dogs, the characters it's, it's based around, because I love my dogs. And uh, so it's their character, both of them. So, it's, uh, so I'd always look at something they were doing, and then I'd, uh, you know, when they slide down on their shoulder, when they're rolling into something they shouldn't do, or they're, you know, the bottoms up in the air, and you can write that into something that. Lexis would be doing when he's listening to Sam, but he still goes into dog mode. <laughs> you know, so yeah, you can always get bits. In. Uh, and there's one thing I was wanting to ask you is obviously your son knows that the reason you've written it. Yes, he is a young teenager now. Yes, and how is he with it? Yeah, he loves it. Does he? He loves it. Yeah, he's uh, you know he's uh, he's been out with me before when I've sort of gone to um, like Christmas markets and like the Heart Shopping Centre. We sort of try and get in there once a month, and uh, it's great actually. The local people that come up and oh, I think my child might be dyslexic. Can I buy a copy and they can read it, or I can you know I've heard about it. So so it's yeah. not just for children and parents and carers of people with dyslexia anybody can enjoy it and read oh yeah it. yeah that's why i say it's for a much wider audience you know i've had some older people buy it and say well i don't have children anymore that probably going to read it because of the age range but i think i might read it and see if i remember any of these things myself when i was at school because i'm dyslexic so through the theme of the book then there's little little trigger words and phrases that would help you think oh that's me i, I yes can. Yeah, definitely. You know, especially when he's um, up in letter, he's up in Letterland, and he's uh, with Lexius, and they're looking through a, a school window at what would be a mirror image of his day, and he can see this little boy aggravating another boy because he knows the teachers handed out books around the class and they have to take their turn to read aloud. Oh, and right. obviously that he found that very hard. So he was anxious about his yeah. turn coming. So. so he would cause a distraction. So he knew he'd get removed from the class. All these things are obviously based on true story. <laughs> um, get, so he'd be removed from the class. So, so when you were writing this book, because you said it took you two years to write? Yes, yeah, yeah. How do you remember what you've written? Do you have to read the, what you've written? I'm thinking, oh yeah, I've done that bit already. Yeah, I sort of... How do you do it? When you're... When you're I had wrote down all, lots of ideas and, uh, and then I sort of broke it down and then I'd start writing it out. And then after a while I used to get in the habit of printing it out because I found it easier to read like a book rather than le- reading off the screen. And then something would prompt your memory that I've done that bit before and then I'd cut bits out and move them around and then put them back onto the file. So you've got it all written. Yeah. And how did you go about publishing it? And the beautiful illustrations. Yeah, the illustrations are great. Yeah, well, they're fantastic. Thank you. And that, as I say, is all down to um, Nick Ord, who's very talented. Um, bless him, I told him what I really wanted for the cover. And, uh, and it, he came up with it all, put it all together sort of wonderfully. But uh, it wasn't an easy process. I had sent it out to 71 different publishing companies, some in work in the similar field and some 
not but they all sort of either didn't come back to me or came back to me saying we like the idea but it's a little bit of a niche for us or we we hope you do well but you're not a published author we can't take a a chance and I say and that's when it came about when I met uh, I was put in contact with Nick Ord through a, a mutual friend and he was happy to take a chance so fast forward it took about a year or so that it was uh because it was over the pandemic time when we first heard of each other so i'd send him bits and pieces and he would work on it and send it back and say what exactly do you mean by this and then you so he edited it so as well. he edited it as well yeah and how did that make you feel when you sent off your work to him nervous because i thought this man really knows his stuff and he's gonna get oh my goodness there's not enough full stops and commas <laughs> yeah <laughs> things like that but actually he, he he wasn't like that at all he was very lovely very generous man with uh, how he dealt with it but you know and they tell me to you need to change that word because you said it's for an eight to eleven year old well you know you need to find a simpler word for that little things that you don't always you pick don't out think yourself. about mm. yeah because you so. might use that in your own family but generally exactly. eight to eleven year olds yeah. won't when, yeah. when you said that i was kind of visualizing that it went off come back and he's corrected it all and putting like change this and like they do it at school you yeah, know tick <laughs> <and> across <laughs> insert yeah. Yeah. it kind of is like that and then you highlight things so then i'd go away and work on it and send it back to him and he'd then say because you have to do it that way because then it stays my work if he's going to say well that wasn't right Suze so I've written this instead well then that becomes a collaboration yeah so well I heard something interesting this morning actually with uh, coming in and uh, Jamie Oliver's first three cookery books he didn't write them he He did it all on dictaphone Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then somebody else wrote it. Yeah, that's right. I think that's yeah. quite a good idea yes. to do dictaphone because yeah. it is writing, isn't I it? Think just somebody so, no, I'd up. have to do it because I'd be rubbish at that. Well, as well, actually, it's funny you should mention Jamie Oliver because there is a part in the book where I don't mention Jamie Oliver, right. but I do say that uh, you know you don't have to be brain of Britain to do well. The entrepreneurs, this, that, and the other. You don't have to be. By that, I mean like academic. Mm. Um, there are people, great chefs, that are very clever, great imagination at what they do. And Jamie Oliver was the man that I had in mind at the right. time. Because I think I've always been inspired by the things he does. And I knew that he'd written now, I think, something like 20-odd yeah. cookbooks. That's right. But he, because he's so dyslexic, like you say. Oh, is he? records he? it. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. He's a really well-known dyslexic. And he's always been very honest and open about that. There was somebody uh, on television, a presenter, who was saying that she... Oh, Holly Willoughby, actually. Yes. She's dyslexic, yeah, and she only yeah, announced yeah. it a little while ago. Yeah. And you think, oh, my yeah. goodness. But it's only, it, it's only dyslexia, is what I mean. It doesn't yeah. have to stop you. You just no. learn in a different no. way. There's yeah. no... You know, if you're entrepreneurial, you are. If you're creative, you are. If you're this. But you could still always be dyslexic. Absolutely. And it shouldn't be a... It's a special gift, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And some of the best entrepreneurs... You know, they've created amazing things because they see things differently. You know, and I believe if you go to some like Silicon Valley, places like that, I think about probably about half of the people that work there have a neurodiverse issue. Mm. But they but they just create these wonderful things that we use every day because they see things differently. I think all all the people like um, Elon Musk is a particular one as well. He, he's like dyslexic, dyslexic, and look at what he's doing. I know, it's exactly right. And and all our our old scientists and mathematicians in the past are dyslexic in some way, or autism. uh, And I'm sure, like, the guy who invented electricity was kind of the same as well. About those kind of people. We wouldn't be in the world we are today, I suppose. No, no. That's it. And if you're going to have dyslexia or or one of those kinds of issues, now now is the time to have it. That's why I was surprised when Mm. we started this interview that you said it it takes time to get diagnosed. 
we're in the 21st century and you you rec- getting back to that you recognize the different mm. little signs and you're his mum but somebody who's in the educational field would be seeing those signs all day yeah. every day yeah but i think the biggest thing which is great that you've brought that back up again because the uh, i do really feel for the schools really because that's the whole idea i always state with the book it isn't you know i'm not having a little jib at schools it comes down to funding and they just don't have the money once they actually admit to something i mean it doesn't happen for every child but if they admitted for every child that needed help there isn't the funding there that's what the whole idea is as well bring more awareness and there's more funding for these schools so they can help everybody that's true now have you managed to get your books into the local schools or schools generally given them to um the local schools i've not I haven't received the copies back whether they've actually put them in their libraries or, or what they've done I'm not sure um, but I just literally today actually I had an email um, on behalf of Matt Hancock the um, he it turns out that he is dyslexic that's right I've did you hear see yeah. and I saw this a few weeks back and uh, he didn't get diagnosed till he was in university so he must have really struggled so I contacted him and told him about the book and, and everything, which I then sent him a copy. Because he's trying now, that's the bill he's trying to work through and push through, that all it, this screening that we were just talking about comes available for all primary school children, regardless, to make sure no-one slips through the, through the loop. So because, it, like you said, yeah. the, the children do anything that they can do to obstruct the, yeah. the things that they can't yeah. do. It doesn't yeah. mean they're not being naughty. Yeah, yeah and yeah. We, how many people have we just cited there who are very successful in their careers, yes. in whatever career they choose? So yeah. Yeah. you just need to get on. When did this get published? It was published in July um, 21, so it's all quite it's all new. quite new. Yeah, and I'm busy... Start writing the next one already. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, is there another one? Yeah, he's in the returning. Same, is he? He's returning with the tale of the nibbly nobbly gibbly gobbly. Oh my god! <laughs> you can't say that when you're drunk, of course. No. <laughs> Where did that name come from? We'll come back. Come back and talk to us another time yeah, about that yeah. name and that story. Yeah, I, think, I think it's after six glasses of wine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Doesn't matter what you call it. So, how far are you on the next edition? On the way, sorry. How far are you on the next edition? Um. I've written a considerable amount, but then it's got to go through the same process again. I have told Nick that I've started this, so it gives him time for... Yeah, yeah, he seems okay for now. (laughs) So where can people get hold of this to buy? Um, The best place is um, deserthearts.com, but otherwise it's on Amazon. Uh, Sorry, I was just looking at Desert Hearts, spell H-E-A-R-T-S. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll put yeah. Amazon um, link on the podcast as well, so they can yeah. click on it and go straight to Amazon. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. It's fabulous. And it does help to support um, the Helen Arkell Dyslexic Charity. It isn't actually on there, but when I go out round with my books, that came afterwards, and it was by chance I went to see them, because obviously that's where Danny, um, my son, was diagnosed. In Farnham. And it, yeah, mm. and he was, uh, and uh, Dr. Gavin Reed who's really known in the field and he happened to be the guy that day all those years ago that diagnosed Danny and he, I sent it to him and he has actually written the afterword for the story because he was really impressed so yeah so it is sort of endorsed by about three or four different people in the field that must so. make you feel really proud really really proud um, yeah have you yeah, got really imposter proud. syndrome <laughs> <laughs> not yet <laughs> fantastic well Su- uh, Susan thank you very much indeed for bringing this to our attention you're welcome thank you for having me 
The Weekly Experience Extra Bid. It's made up of interviews that can all be fitted into the Weekly Experience because you have so much to tell us about your particular place, your charity, your organisation. Don't forget to listen to the rest of the podcast at buzzpodcast.co.uk. 